Okay, we gotta get a wriggle on with this because I've got I gotta do a video straight after this because Fallout 76 doesn't stop. Fallout 76 doesn't stop being jaw-dropping. It's the gift that keeps taking. Absolutely. You were telling us about this just before we started recording. They've apparently banned the one person who plays the game. Yeah, they've they banned they've banned someone who's been having fun with Fallout 76, <laughs> which is not something Fallout 76 is in a position to do. No. Um, hello, welcome to Podquisition. I feel like perhaps this was an altruistic decision on their behalf. <laughs> They're trying to they're trying to help the poor guy. Yeah, save the poor fucker from themselves. Yeah. Um, we're actually breaking from tradition. We're going to break from tradition and start this video game podcast by talking about video games. Video games. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> this might be the quickest we've ever got to video game news. Fuck. <laughs> I think the last time we did it was Fallout 76. I make a special exception for Fallout 76. And I think it is a good non-topic way to start because Fallout 76 is barely a video game. Oh, indeed. And we're barely talking about the game itself. We're no. talking about them making terrible decisions. The amazing peripheral entertainment that surrounds Fallout 76, which is so much more amusing than anything in the quote-unquote game. I saw a guy on Reddit post about that. He was like a huge Fallout fan and he hates Fallout 76 and he was saying, I hate this game but I absolutely love the shit show around it. I'm yeah, addicted yeah. to it. It's... It, yeah, it, it's hard to put down. It's hard to tear oneself away from it. It's somewhat cathartic for people who really were disappointed with the direction the series has gone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yes, uh, someone played the game for over 900 hours. Uh, Reddit user Glorf12. Jesus. Over 900, I don't, poor bastard. That's more time, that's like more than twice what I have on like Fallout 3 or 4. <laughs> yeah, they clearly liked it. Uh, and uh, Bethesda have banned them from Fallout 76 indefinitely for having too much ammunition. What? Uh, too much ammo. They they said that uh, Glorf had over 100,000 rare items within a month. Um, 140,960 Ultra Sight ammo uh, on the one character. And then more, they say, on a second account. Glorf says they never had that much ammo. How did this person even... Um stash that much ammo then they said they never had it um glove says that they've never had such a ridiculous amount of ammo but they have traded ammo back and forth between a main and secondary account as they tried to decide on what guns to try like they were using a second account wow. to try out guns ah so maybe it's counted like all the ammo that's ever entered the, the account yeah but they they said you know they've played it for so long that they have legit collected a silly amount of ammo, which you would at 900 hours. Like, I, I remember in Fallout 4, I had, like, thousands and thousands of rounds of ammo by the time I stopped. Yeah, I I don't doubt that this person has played ludicrous amounts of this game, because you do the maths. Fallout 76 has been out for 98 days, a little over three months. If you divide 900 hours by that, if he played Fallout 76 every single day, seven days a week, without ever skipping a day... He averaged nine hours a day of play. What the hell? Like, on average, he has played nine hours per day, seven days a week for over three months. Yeah. yeah. So I don't 
doubt he's got a lot of of, co- of materials in that game. And and that also uh, ascertains in my mind that they did him a favor. Uh, he's certainly going to have some more free time now. You know, I'm I'm all for long game periods, but that's too much. Well, I'll I'll put it this way: he now has nine hours a day free in which he can campaign about how shitty Fallout seventy six and Bethesda have been to him. That that's nine hours a day that Bethesda really don't want to have to be fighting against this very dedicated man. Ban your biggest player. Yeah. Ban your biggest player, Bethesda. Yeah. I kiss I kiss my fingers. Mwah. You're a masterpiece of shit. I can't even wrap my head around playing that much of any game. You know that still makes me sad because you know they're my favorite company and I hate seeing them like this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I could do nine hours a day of most things. Yeah. Certainly not video games. I Yeah, I was going to say that. I don't think I could play games for nine hours a day. Like, I don't think I could play nine hours a day for, like, a week. That would be too much for me to do for a week, probably, at this point. If there's, like, a brand new game that's, like, you're super excited about now, like a new Zelda or a new Fallout yeah, or yeah. Elder Scrolls, you probably put in nine or ten hours in, in, in the first week on a couple of the days, like... He's easily. I mean, I've had, I've had the occasional, you know, Sunday or something where I'm like, I'm gonna play this game for most of today. Fuck it, fuck the day off. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose we shouldn't include for work in this conversation if we're doing it in a general yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, the the idea of nine hundred hours in any game is impressive, frankly. And mm. yeah, I just can't understand a world in which, in which Bethesda goes. Yeah, this player with this play count. There's something fishy about them. Get rid of them. Cut. No one likes our game that much. Fuck off. That's suspicious. Yeah. I'm trying to see what my highest played games on my computer are. There's Fallout 4 and Witcher 3. And I'm not even going to say how, how many hours I have. But it's not 900 hours on <laughs> It's either. not 900, no. It's nothing even remotely close to 900 hours, no. Uh, Do you have 100,000 rare items in The Witcher 3? If you if you added up, like, my four or five most played games, there'd be, like, 900 hours. I, I've put, like, 200 plus hours into Pokemon Let's Go on that, that shiny hunt. Yeah. Still going on that. I'm still chipping away bit by bit. But, like... I can't even imagine. Bethesda, Bethesda, really, do you want negative attention this badly? They can't stop. They haven't stopped fucking up. It's enough that the game was bad. It's enough that the game was a a misjudged disappointment. But they've not stopped making it worse. And and I this is one of the biggest shit shows I've ever seen surrounding a game. And I've seen a lot of them. You know what they need? They need one person employed who just sits in a room all day and every time they want to do something, anything to do with Fallout 76, they open the door and they go, this is what we'd like to do. Is this a good idea, consultant? Is this a good idea or will it make us look bad? And they just need one person sat in a room going, no, that's a terrible idea. It'll look terrible. Just don't fucking do it. They need that person to fling an ashtray at whoever walks through that door every time the door opens, before they've even said anything. They're like, right, I'm just going to go check with the ashtray flinger whether we should do this idea. (laughs) Ashtray, ow! Fuck! I just got hit with a fucking ashtray! All right, skip the nylon bags. The ashtray flinger said no. But Bethesda, if you're looking to hire someone, I will be your ashtray flinger. Oh, God. 
That's my dream job, I think. Flinging ashtrays at people having bad ideas in Bethesda. <laughs> oh, that's that's my job right there. We'll see if we can get the three of us a consulting job there. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Ashflingers Limited Consultancy. Oh, this, this is just such a way to start this week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this oh. this is the energy I needed. I was I was feeling a little sleepy when we came in to record this, and you just you just put me right up, Jim. It's the only way Fallout seventy six will wake anyone up. Yeah, it, it had been a while since uh, Fallout seventy six did put its foot in a piece, big big pile of dog shit. So it was kind of due another yeah another fuck up. I'm trying to remember when the last time was because I've done a video on almost every single part of the fuck ups, and I, there are still ones I've missed. I think like the last patch broke a lot of things. Oh yeah, they brought old old bugs that they'd already fixed back in. They patched them back in. I love how there's bugs in this game that were patched out of Fallout 4. Uh, there, there was one that I don't think we mentioned on this podcast where players found an unreleased additional vault for the game with a bunch of content in it. And then anyone who like went in there to have a look around being like, oh, this game actually has content, uh, got banned. Jesus. Wow. It just got banned for like... Oh, oh! You wanted you wanted to like actually have something to do in this game. No, fuck off. Bethesda doesn't know what it's fucking doing. It doesn't no. know. It knows how to make games. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to Fallout seventy six, when it comes to this live service, they desperately cobbled together. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They simply don't. Uh welcome to Podquisition. We're we're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of um, live service games that don't know what they're doing. Uh, I tried that anthem this week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm waiting till its uh, 15th and final release date. Yeah. I know a lot of people got them at different times and in different quantities. I, I am as well, but, like, I'm not reassured by what I've been hearing so yeah. far. Um, also, that game had a bit of a broken launch. Uh, people were going into matchmaking and getting matchmade into the final boss. Nice. When they were, like, level three. So... That's a thing that could happen. Yeah. Uh, Gav, did you play the pre-launch version, the pre-order pre-launch version, the VIP pre-launch version, the 10-hour preview version? Um, which version did you get? Holy fuck, I have no idea which version. Whichever one on Origin let you play it early, I got that one. Right. Uh, did, did you get the one on Origin on PC that lets you play 10 hours early or the full game early? Uh, I have no idea. I just, I saw early access when I got it because I was like really excited to like maybe do a song about this game because, because now the one thing I really liked in the game was Sarah Shackner's music. Yeah. I'm a big fan of hers and uh, she always delivers. So give give us a, give us a a sneak peek because, you know, me and Jim are just, you know, we're the commoners waiting for, for the third, the third release date. Uh, How, how, how's it doing? I don't even know when I'm getting my copy without consulting a chart. Literally, I don't know what day it is. Yeah. I think it's this Friday. Yeah. I don't know what day it is. I don't know when other people got theirs and how many people got which ones on which days and when people got just 10 hours of it. Jesus Christ, EA. Off the top of my head, I believe the options are PC, if you have Origin Premium, you can play the whole game a week early. PC, if you have basic origin access, you can play 10 hours early. 
Xbox One, you can play 10 hours early. PS4 has no early access options, I don't think. Yeah. Sorry, every time I hear about Anthem's release, I think about Kingdom Hearts for some reason. I was just talking about how it makes me sad to see my favourite publisher, Bethesda, or my favourite developer, Bethesda, going the way they're going. And I have to say, Bioware, my other favourite developer, really saddens me to see them do a game like this. Yeah. I was half an hour into some story thing and the robot ghost AI thing was shouting at me about a load of things with fancy names, sci-fi fantasy names and a load of stuff that was happening and I didn't give a solitary fuck about any of it. That's, That's what I was worried about. Is it just shouting lore at you, doing the whole sh- uh, telling rather than showing thing? It's not. It's not even. Sh- it's like it's. It's that death. You know, this is the thing. It does all the same stuff Destiny did wrong and didn't learn. It didn't learn from Destiny's mistakes. Is it just reading you the Destiny codex out loud? Is that basically what it's doing? No, it's it's kind of thing where like. It's frant- You're in this mission fighting these dog things, and it's frantically yelling at you that oh the. The this name and the that name is coming through the vortex of Cthulhu and fucking all these things and you're just like I have no idea what you're talking about yeah. what the fuck are you talking this about this is what I was you know? worried about I, I want I want a cutscene that show that where I can see the things happening and I can learn from visual cues what is happening It's it's there's, there's these floaty lights and it's like those are shards that escaped from the anthem and I'm like okay but what the fuck is the anthem <laughs> this is we we've had the, we've got this issue in video games right now where story and law have gotten confused. Yeah. Or rather people are confusing story and law. So it's all backstory without context which makes the information hard to process because you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. It's it's it people learnt entirely the wrong lessons from Dark Souls and went, "Oh, if we just like throw world lore at people is good we don't have to do anything else it's just good and the, the like the story is so dull and cliche like there's the the forebearers or whatever they're called the ancestors came before and then the freelancers and the javelins in this world that like when did the covenant life show force up? and just yeah it just it did absolutely nothing for me and that like i liked dragon age 2 you know like i've never played a bioware game where the story didn't immediately grab me until now i was worried about that and that's disappointing because you know me my my priority in games is the story and i don't think i'm going to be doing any music about this game yeah the demo showed i mean we've talked about that the demo showed nothing narratively that was that seemed interesting and uh, the way it was presented there i'm like this is going to be the you know, a destiny drip feed of vagary. Yeah. Literally the most invested I was at any point narratively was when I accidentally killed a grab, a rabbit, grab it. And the AI said to me, Oh, that grab it probably had a family. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That, that was literally the most interesting part of this, the entire story. That's okay. Yeah. Um, having played some of that beta. Yeah. My, my big issue was, yeah, this feels good to play, but yeah. I I am a person that likes a good story in a game, and you know I'm not opposed to playing a game that has that has little or no story. I enjoyed mm-hmm. like you know Dead Cells and whatnot, but I don't always you know if it's a game like this that is about lots and lots and lots and lots of shooting, 
I need a bit of story to carry me through, or I'm going to get bored of it, and it sounds like this just isn't going to be for me. Especially because the shooting in Anthem is is middling at best from what I've played. I liked it. I, I actually, that's one thing I'd agree with Laura, I really liked the game mechanically. I, I enjoyed it mechanically, and it's like, had you given me these mechanics with like a, a Mass Effect 2 level of story, I'd have been all over this. Yeah, definitely. But, but I... I'm not in this for a Destiny thing. I don't have enough time in my life to play a Destiny-esque online-y shooter without a story to care about. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it. It's going to cut into my Apex time to play it for work. Yeah. Laura, going back to your point about how um, you like games that don't have much story, and this one, for I agree, and, and the thing about this game is it seems to desperately want you to care about its story. That's the thing. Like, it keeps shouting story in your face, but you're just, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention or whatever, but I had no idea what anything was that was happening. You know, it, it's just one of, I really hate it when games assume you know things. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a shame. Um, you know, I'm being facetious when I say I'm not looking forward to it, but I'll, I'll say this much, I've got no reason to be excited to play it. The demos did nothing to entice or excite me. I am literally playing it for work, and if I wasn't playing it for work, I don't think I'd bother. Yeah, it's a real, real pity. I was hoping it would at least have some story in it, because it's Bioware, you know, and they're so good at stories. So, And then I also don't want it to flop, because I want another Mass Effect, you know? <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I played the first... When I played the first Destiny, I thought it was utter shit. Um, but it, it was obviously mega successful. Um, so who knows? Who knows? I know, obviously, Apex is doing really, really well, so Respawn is safe for the moment. But I I, I, I worry if it doesn't do well. This, this might be Bioware's Battlefield Hardline moment. Well, they still have that Dragon Age coming out, so hopefully that will be... Yeah. As I've said many times, I hope that, that that's awesome and they have to nail it. Imagine if that came out now and it turns out it's yeah. Dragon Age Online. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it. Like, what could EA do to ruin it? They, they, there are many options at EA's disposal to take a Dragon Age game and wreck it. Yeah, there's, there's, they've had a few misfires recently, and I don't know how much goodwill there is left for them to have any more misfires. It was tanked. As far as EA games go, they tanked for me after Star yeah. Wars Battlefront 2. Um, immediately after that, one of the first things I said in like a Jimquisition was, I now have zero faith in Anthem. EA's involvement with anything now it automatically diminishes my interest by almost 100%. Because they've not only done nothing to earn trust lately, they've actively done things to destroy trust. And... The fact that Apex was such a success in spite of EA, because EA had nothing to do with it. Um, it was a game EA didn't even want to promote, and yet it saved their ass. I think that's so very telling, that yeah. EA's involvement is fucking poison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, this is uplifting. <laughs> yeah, that has me disappointed. But it's fine, because I don't need any more new video games with fancy stories, because this week I played the best video game in the world, and it has no story because it doesn't need one. I've been playing Tetris 99. Oh, God. I I know you're not a huge fan, Jim, I know. Right, before you crack on, because I'm going to be very brief, 
I said this on um, Super Bunny Hops podcast earlier in the week, or rather last week. I tweeted, right, finally going to give that Tetris 99 a try. Ten minutes later, I tweeted, right, that's that done. And that's what I think of Tetris 99. Now, please take the floor. I, on the other hand, have played it every night since it released last week. Bloody hell. Um, I'm really into it. So, for anyone who's unaware, uh, this got announced last week during a, a Nintendo Direct. It's a, a free game if you've got Nintendo's online subscription, which, can I just say, like, before we get into the game, thank bloody God, because, like, fin- finally this is a good sign of Nintendo actually giving people something for their online subscription. It's a brand new game, didn't exist before, have it for free, there you go. Like, that's what Nintendo needs to be doing with their online subscription. Yeah. I guess that, yeah, it was too into... Because I was wondering what the catch was with it. I'm like, this is free, I'm not seeing a store. No, there, there is no monetization in-app. As best I can tell, Nintendo have probably paid to have this developed so that they can have something free to give away to subscribers. And I'm like, that's that's good, yeah. Not bad. The idea is clever, I'll say that much. Um, for me, every experience I've, I've had with it um, over that 10 or 20 minutes... Um, was just me getting dogpiled, and it's just not fun um, if you if you get targeted by multiple players, and that was my total experience with it. So I t- I'm, I'm like, no, it's too frustrating. How have they turned Tetris into Twitter? Uh, <laughs> um, so for anyone who's unaware, the basic idea is it's a Tetris battle royale. Uh, you play Tetris with ninety eight other people. And by clearing lines, you can send garbage data either to specific players or to players who fall into certain categories, and you are aiming to be the last person left standing. Um, So, initially, I was kind of in the same group as you, Jim. Um, The mechanics around who you attack and why uh, are definitely not explained by this game, and it really... This game needs a tutorial. I had to go read like, a summary of how it works to get into this game properly, which no game should make you do. Uh, But basically, the categories you've got are um, send garbage data at people who are attacking you to try and get them to back off, send garbage data at people who are about to get knocked out, who are very near the top, and if you knock them out, you get bonus multipliers that make it more difficult to send garbage at you and easier for you to send garbage at other people. And there's badges, which is target people who have had earned the most KOs and have the biggest multiplier, because they're probably going to be the biggest threat in the late game. Uh, the reason I've been really liking this is I enjoy Battle Royale games as a concept, but I'm no good at shooters. So playing stuff like Fortnite, I enjoy Fortnite, but honestly, the best chance I have at winning a game of Fortnite is to fucking hide in a corner. Like... I drop down into somewhere populated, go get as many good items as I can, find a hiding spot, and then just hop between hiding spots till there's like five people left and hope I luck out. Tetris 99 really doesn't give you that option. No, you can't just hide in a building and watch the door. <laughs> yeah, you you constantly can see and can be targeted by every other player. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's really that was really interesting. It's a genius idea, I will not deny that. It forces players to to do a battle royale and to not just hide. You have to be playing and you have to be working. Um, 
You also have to play it a little bit differently to standard Tetris. You're not going for high scores, you're not going for constantly just trying to keep your um, your number of blocks as low as possible, because actively, if someone tries to send you garbage blocks, if you do some line clears in response, you can stop those garbage blocks hitting you. So you want to deliberately have a Tetris or two held in standby, ready to go for when you need them. There's a lot of interesting strategy about um, defending yourself in the early game, knocking people out in the mid game to build up your multiplayer, and in the late game targeting people who pose the most threat. Like once I got my head around those, like what those groups are and how to stop, how to basically like get people to back off if they're all, you know, throwing garbage at me in the first five minutes. I've been reliably getting to the top five of of Tetris ninety nine. I've yet mm. to win a match. I I got to second, but I'm I'm having a real good time with it. Can I just point out? I'm pretty sure that at some point we pitched Tetris Battle Royale as a joke game. Oh, we we did a an episode somewhere in the past where we jokingly pitched a bunch of battle royale games. Oh well, find that. Someone find that, listeners. Yeah, I rem- the only one I remember was um. Mario and Rabbids Battle Royale, I think, was a was a was a thing. It absolutely does. It it absolutely is one of those games that we would have thought of as a joke for a battle battle royale. Yeah, no, like I I real if someone can find and send us the clip and the episode and the timestamp of if we did say Tetris no, Tetris Battle Royale, we 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 should we should get credit for this. We should get the money. Absolutely. Yeah. We should we should get all of that sweet Nintendo subscription yeah. cash. All of those but, dollars, please. Yeah. But like I totally get why you might not be having a good time with it, Jim. Because yeah, if if those first couple of games it hasn't told you how to stop people attacking you or to not take garbage hits. Yeah. I said it I said it on um people attacking me cuz I I I more or less intuited what they like vaguely meant that the eruptions so i'm like yeah yeah put the one on people attacking me which i did out of spite and then i just left it on like that but i still just got fucking basically you feel bullied (laughs) if they all come on come at you at once and i'm not a great tetris player at all so i'm like i just went again back to apex which i've i've been doing every day that that's fair like I think the reason I've I've gravitated so much to this is I kind of am all right at puzzle games. Like I'm better at puzzle games than I am at shooters. Yeah. So it's been nice to have a battle royale where it felt like I could keep up with the late game difficult gameplay and yeah. like I had a chance at you know staying toe to toe with people. It's a genius idea. No one said battle royales had to be shooters. Yeah. And there are people like yourself who like maybe really like that concept because it is a great idea uh just the battle royale as a fundamental idea uh but might not necessarily be into shooters and and you can evolve that concept 100 players down to one for many different types of games yeah i'd play a dynasty warriors battle royale fucking hack and slash just like thousand put a fucking thousand in there I want a dating sim battle royale where it's a hundred people trying to see who can get the date first. That that'd actually be brilliant. There we go. That's that's one I'd do. 
Yeah, I'd, I'll play one of those. Everyone's everyone's competing to be like who 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 can put the friendship tokens in first. I'd like a a business management sim battle royale where you have like hundreds of employees and shave them down, and we could call it Activision the game. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, I. I'm a big fan of Tetris 99. Uh, That's great. I'm big into that idea. I, I'm glad it worked, uh, even though I'm, I don't care for it myself. I'm glad the idea worked, because even while I was hating my time with it, I was just thinking to myself, it's a brilliant idea. It's, it's a brilliant idea, and, and more than anything else, I hope that Nintendo keep doing things like this, because this is... Yeah, that I had the same thing that you were talking about earlier, Jim. I was looking for the monetization. I was like... How are you getting my money? Yeah. And I think it is just, here's some money from Nintendo subscriptions, have a free game. Well, I know they said they want to try and make it more enticing because people are not subscribing at the rate they wanted them to. Yeah. And out of all of the companies in the world, I would trust Nintendo to add things rather than shave stuff off and, you know, do the general third-party publisher thing of let's resell old ideas and pretend they're bonuses. I had fully expected their their next move for Nintendo Online to be here's the Super Nintendo library. I was sure that's where we were going and I was really pleasantly surprised that that wasn't the next step. Yeah. Because they've got to do, because they did take something away as their opening gambit for Nintendo uh, for Switch yeah, Online, yeah. which you know, online play, and a pathetic drip feed of NES games. Yeah, like two a month if you're lucky. Like that's no, that's that's nothing. That's not a good deal. You've got Microsoft with its Xbox Game Pass, which okay, yeah. a bit more expensive, and Microsoft have really no good games exclusive to them yeah uh, at the moment uh, crackdown 3 is an absolute pissing joke but yeah it's still a great value prospect on paper if nintendo switch online is what like 20 quid a year i think that's about what it costs um yeah yeah if for that i could get what four four games a year let's say like every three months we get a nintendo direct and they go oh yeah and this small little silly game idea that's out now and it doesn't have to be like a you know a twenty hour RPG or something. It can just be here's a little puzzle game that you can just play online with people, and it's a fun weird idea. Yeah, I would totally feel justified in my money. Like you know that's what five five quid a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I I'm okay with that. Switch Online frustrates me because the Switch is a magnificent console, hmm. possibly my favorite ever, and Nintendo have the resources and the position to make an amazing online service to go with it. Uh, They have that library of NES and SNES games and even, you know, more advanced ones if they wanted to put them on there. The Switch could handle all that. They've got this amazing library of games. They've got some great titles and they've got, you know, the clout to put something up like Tetris 99. They've got yeah. so much that they could be doing. And at 20 bucks a year, it should be an amazing value prospect for people. But clearly, they've dropped the ball and they know they've dropped the ball because yeah. not enough people are subscribing. And I can't blame them right now because even though it's only 20 bucks, which is the only thing people had to justify it when I was complaining about it at launch. Yeah. I'm like, that's not actually a good deal for the customer if all you've got to defend it is it's only twenty dollars yeah anything could be only twenty dollars yeah 
I, I could pull my pants down and get my little chungus out for $20. No one should pay me to do it. <laughs> but I could tell you all day long, it's only 20 bucks and I'll pop my chungus on the table. Ooh. But people, no, I'll pay you $20 to not do it. Deal. I did want to bring up one other Nintendo-y thing while we're here, which, because um, a minute ago you mentioned Xbox having no good exclusives right now. Um, have you heard that that, that rumour going around this week, huh? About uh, a certain game that might be coming to Switch in the future. Halo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Halo. It's Halo, Jim. Halo. All of them. No, Halo, Halo 5 Guardians is Scalebound. Scalebound. Oh. Yeah, I saw Twitter rumble about it uh, yesterday. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know what's going on with this, um, kind of funny, who are the guys that, some of the XIGN guys that they now do their own video thing, they had a a reporter on from, I believe it was Game GameSpot, uh, who doesn't normally talk about rumours, like, at all. It's not his thing, it's not his jam. Yeah. And he was, he basically went on there and was like, so I'm not ready to talk about what it is, but, um... Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about Nintendo buying the rights to a game that everyone thought was dead and cancelled and, like, was completely gone and never going to happen and they're going to bring it to Switch. And then a couple of days later, we start hearing rumblings, hey, apparently it's scale-bound. Um, and here's the thing, I'm kind of inclined to believe this could be a real thing. Um, originally, the original pitch for Scalebound was it was going to be a Wii game. There is a history with this game being targeted for Nintendo hardware. Mm -hmm. Um... We have no clue what Kamiya's working on, because he's not working on Bayonetta 3 or on Astral Chain, which are the two Nintendo, like, the two games we know that Platinum's working on. He's working on blocking people on Twitter. Yeah, he yeah. always, ongoing yeah. project. Like, it, Nintendo and Platinum clearly have a good working relationship, because, you know, they've got two exclusives coming out for the Switch in the upcoming future. Um... They rescued Bayonetta after it just couldn't get funding from the people who were going to fund it. And interestingly, I looked into it, as far as I can tell, Microsoft completely gave up the rights to Scalebound when they, they cancelled it. So, mm. as far as I can tell, Platinum do just have the right to ship it elsewhere if they want. So It makes sense. I mean, it looked really good as well. It, it, it yeah. at least looked damn interesting. Yeah, so like... Sure, if this happens, like, this is a total rumour, might be nothing, it might be nonsense, but even if it ends up getting scaled back, uh, scaled down, <laughs> uh, sca scaled down, uh, I, I did that pun earlier in the week, but I brought it back. It's bound, it's bound to be scaled back. It's, it's scale, scale down. Oh, um, dear. But, like, as long as it keeps that core idea of cool dude with headphones and a dragon, yeah. I'd be really into that. It was the only Xbox exclusive I was really excited for. And the headphones are a must. Yeah, no, he needs he needs the headphones. I will not accept scale bound without the headphones. He needs his I'm headphones. Not... Headphones Absolutely. and dragons. Next time someone asks me what I do for a living, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I I think it would be a smart move for Nintendo because like if if this is true, whenever it gets announced, it's gonna be a fucking mic drop for Nintendo to go. Oh yeah, you know that one Xbox exclusive people wanted. Fuck you, it's ours. It's a perfect fit, isn't it? I mean, it just makes sense considering the history there. Yeah. Yeah. N Nintendo has a history of going, "Hey, Platinum, you know this idea you were really excited for, and you couldn't get it funded. We'll give you money. Just make it happen." Yeah. But at least Microsoft has Crackdown Three. Oh. Camilla, Camilla oh. likes my uh, my Bayonetta song, by the way. 
Oh, that's yeah. nice. He likes something. I yeah. did not get blocked by Camille. He liked that's my song. That's amazing. Yeah. Which, which incidentally is the intro music to this podcast. Yeah. That is true. Uh, should we should we talk about uh, should we talk a little bit Crap about Crackdown Crackdown yeah. Three? We can talk a little bit about it. It don't deserve to be talked about a lot. If I could tell you that much. How's that Power of the Cloud treating everyone? Huh? Uh, it looks like Crackdown One. It plays like Crackdown One. It just is a little bit less interesting of a city than Crackdown One. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, because everything about it is a bit less interesting. Yeah. Just a very generic evil company. Uh, whereas there was a bit of a Starship Troopers, the movie version vibe to the first Crackdown, mm. where it feels very questionable what you're doing. Plus you had all the different gangs and gang members and stuff, as opposed to just the evil corporation. It's just evil corporation. The only thing I like about Crackdown 3 is the uh, the little quasi-animated intros for each of the um, bosses. When, when you first discover that there's a new enemy and it, like gives this sort of dynamic, almost like a motion comic image of the boss in question looking huge over their various a bit of oppression, like the, uh, you know, one guy overlooking people trying to immigrate into the city because it's the only place with power, and he's just grinning. De- like These are some great megalomaniacal uh, images in there, but that's about it. The game is The game itself is trash. On a very basic level, collecting the green orbs is still one of the most viscerally satisfying things in video games. Like, just wandering True. around finding them. Yeah. That little noise they make where you go, when you pick one up. The problem is, is Saints Row 4 did everything else did everything better, including the collection of orbs. I was going to say, I would far rather play Saints Row 4 for that same thrill of going around a big city collecting orbs. Yeah, like this is the issue with with Crackdown 3, is it has not moved itself as a series or the genre it's in forward an inch. Not even an inch, which is especially... It wouldn't have been so bad, maybe. It still would have been bad, but it might not have been so glaringly awful if Saints Row 4 hadn't happened and already way advanced the idea. I want to give this game one bit of of praise that I think it it deserves, and I don't think this necessarily makes it a good game, but it's a technically good achievement. You can watch multiplayer footage of this game from, like, multiple people in the same match, you know, doing their destruction stuff, and it does perfectly mimic the destruction on both screens like it's clearly it is server side somewhere else doing the destruction stuff and sending it to both people so that both people have exactly the same destruction on their ends which yeah is a technically good achievement but it's not a thing that makes the game fun is anyone going to play it yeah it it doesn't make the game fun or impressive it's not a thing that you'll you'll notice while you're playing it's like, I'll give you credit for that. That does not a good game make, though. And it's nice to inhabit Terry Crews. I mean, yeah. can't can't argue with that. I mean, that just frustrates me, because I'm like, it's Terry Crews. He deserves to be in a way more bombastic game than this. And that's one of the issues with Crackdown, is what made the first one so appealing was its outrageousness. It was so over the top um, with the violence and the powers. Terry Crews deserves to be in like a, a rage or a Borderlands or a Bulletstorm. Put him in the next Saints Row. But the world has moved on since the original Crackdown. The stakes have been raised, the ante's been upped, and Crackdown 3 has not met any of the raises, any of the ante. Yeah. It's just... There's a job for Terry Crews. When they reboot Saints Row... 
because I think they kind of took it to its fucking logical endpoint. They there was there was talk that they were going to reboot it. Yeah. I I still think they could do a time traveling Saints Row because that was oh, the implication yeah. at the end of Saints Row Four was they could they were going to go time traveling. That's true. Oh yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, I I play time traveling Saints Row. Well, I think that'd be a great game for Terry Crews to lend his. Uh, Roaring and shouting too. <laughs> yeah, he can be a, he can be an angry peasant in the Middle Ages. Yeah. <laughs> I would kill for Saints Row Elizabethan style. Yeah, still with cars, tearing yeah. it down the Elizabethan streets. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know there are still things Saints Row can do. There are why don't Crackdown have these kind of ideas? That's the thing. Crackdown three had no ideas. <laughs> why doesn't any game have this where you time travel into different eras, like all in the one game and like? wreak havoc an open world spread across several timelines so you could go back in time and it's the same open world map but you know yeah the the timelines changed that would be an ambitious project and you have each city in boat time so you can drive your fucking car into you know yeah peasants (laughs) get on it saints row people we've forgotten about about crackdown already just give us more saints row but this is the thing like you need wild ideas for open world games now because the saturation is is at breaking point here Mm. with with open world games it's it feels to me worse than the military shooter stuff last generation. I feel like the problem with Crackdown 3 is they thought they had their like gimmick that made their game unique, and that was going to be the world environment destruction, and then it very quickly became apparent that they weren't going to be able to do that to the scale that they promised, or in all of the game modes, yeah. and suddenly that game lost its core appeal. And Red Faction Guerrilla, years and years and years ago already caught people's attention with fully destructible environments and stuff. And I don't like Red Faction Guerrilla, but Crackdown 3 is just a, a complete disappointment. It, The fact it, it feels like a... Like, like, someone tried to justify it to me by saying, this is... Well, it's the sequel that Crackdown should have had. And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe. And maybe it should have had that in 2009? 2010? <laughs> yeah. Because this game feels hardly advanced from 2007. Oh, it fe- it feels incredibly dated. It, yeah, it feels like an over 10-year-old game. If this game had come out, like, 10 years ago, it might have it might have held muster. I feel like Crackdown 2 was more visually impressive. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it was. I mean, the streets are desolate. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like the original Incredibles movie. When you go back to that and you realise how dated it looks and how plain the environments look in it uh, which is no knock on the incredibles it's more you know it was the best they had at the time whereas this i know this ain't the best we can do in games um and i, I you know not every game should be super rich and deep and, and and visually amazing because they're very expensive but if you're entering a genre that crowded you need to stand out somehow you can't be middling Particularly when you're like a tentpole release for a first-party console manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is meant to be showing off, like, the best that your system can do. Well, that's a a discussion all on its own. What the hell is going on with Microsoft? Yeah, yeah. It's weird. The Xbox One X debuted and they had nothing to show for it. They had no big, impressive... They had the most powerful console in the world... And Super Lucky's Tale was their big first party exclusive. Not first party even. And and like there's less and less 
reason every day to, to have one. Like, they own Ninja Theory now, who are the people who made Hellblade. Hellblade's still coming to Switch. Yeah. Like, then it's not like they're, they're... And this is good for consumers, the fact that they're acquiring teams and then not stopping those teams from making multi-platform stuff. It's good for consumers, but it's not good for the health of their their exclusive box that they want you to buy. Yeah. Well, it's the same with the, the cross-platform uh, cross stuff. It's like, yeah. it's great that all of these games are also available on PC, albeit through the Windows Store, but still. But yeah, it, it, uh, it doesn't give the Xbox One any value. I only plugged it in to play Crackdown 3, and I, after a day of that, I was like, okay, I'm not playing any more Crackdown 3. Yeah pop up a video, forget it ever existed, and as is a theme on this podcast, go back to Apex. Yeah. Um, in terms of stuff that, that wasn't so so bad that was played this week, I got to play a very charming game this week. I've got not a huge amount to say about, but um, you know that Yoshi's Crafted World? Oh, sure, 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 sure. That, that, that one made of the craft stuff. It got a little demo last week during the uh, the Nintendo Direct. Oh, yeah. I went and played, I went and played some, some levels of that at Nintendo, beyond what's in that, that public demo, and... Jolly good. Yeah, that, that, that game looks bloody good. Um, it has a really gorgeous little art style going on with it. Um, it definitely ramps up in difficulty. Like, if any of you have played that demo and gone, this feels way too easy, it does ramp up. It does... It has ideas that go places. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to play this. My only real concern right now is, a, the whole gimmick of the world flips around. You can see the back of the world. Replay the level. The only thing it does is it hides three hidden collectibles in the level. Time trial. Go back through the level you just did and find the three hidden things. Okay. I feel like that might get a little dry. You know, quicker than Nintendo hope. Yeah. The other thing is some of the... This game seems like it's going to throw a lot of here is a mechanic for just one level, do this different thing, and then continue. And that's fine, except the only one of those I've been able to play really yet is uh, one where you ride around on this dog thing's back, and it just didn't feel right. Um, You know how in a Mario game you jump on Yoshi's back and you're locked onto Yoshi at that point. Like, if you press left, Yoshi goes left. Yeah. Press right, Yoshi goes right. That's not how they did it in this. Yoshi jumps on, on this dog, and if you want to steer the dog left, you put your analog stick left, and Yoshi, who's still stood on the dog's back, walks a couple of steps left on the dog's back to make it turn. Oh, that's some old school fucking... Yeah, you're not locked into place, and it feels like you're going to fucking fall off all the time. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And, like, maybe it's just that one mechanic that feels a bit off, but it does make me a little worried, like, eh, are these just here for one level mechanics? I always felt weird on the plane, the, the aeroplane level in Sonic 2, for similar reasons, yeah. where you control Sonic and the plane's supposed to go up. It, it, it always feels disconcerting. Yeah, so, like, my, my, my concern right now is I'm watching out for those, like, only here for a level gimmicks and going... Are you going to feel less polished than the rest of this game? Because the actual playing as Yoshi is really good. And I really like this fucking world design. It's bright and cheery. And it makes me forget about how miserable the world is. But, ah, I got my eyes on it. it it's a good looking game. It's got interesting ideas. I hope it's consistent. 
Uh, what else we played? Uh, you two played some uh, Metro, I think, this week, haven't you? Uh, I think we're going to have different opinions on this one. We very, very much are going to disagree on this one, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to sit back and let you two deal with Metro for a minute. <laughs> get get your grievances out, and then, like, if it gets too heated, I'll step in and I'll do some counselling, get you back together. All right, do we want me to bash it first or you to praise it first, Gav? What do you want? Dealer's choice. You can bash it first because that way you won't be interrupting me when I'm praising it. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I'll, I'll go hell for leather with that. I'll get it out of the system. Um, I, I don't have all that much to say about it, really. I'm just kind of disappointed. Um, I'm not, like, super mad at it. It's just... It didn't click for me at all. Um, I found it stodgy. I found it ponderous. And mechanically, it's not all that different from Me- uh, Metro 2021, which I loved. If it was called 2021, I can't remember the exact numbers now. 2033. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I said 2021. That's that's an ELO reference. <laughs> that's Electric Light Orchestra. Uh, that's where the concept album Time is set in the year 2021. Um, that's not even true. That was 2095. Bloody hell! I know 2112 was Rush. <laughs> I'll remember some 20 number. 21, a cyberpunk thing, maybe? Or what? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know where I'm getting 2021 from. Um, that's not even far into the future. <laughs> that's two years. <laughs> uh, right. Although, given the trajectory we're on, we might end up living in metro tunnels by then. Let's hope the world doesn't look like metro in 2021. I don't know why I'm saying 2021. I'm going to stop saying it because I'll just th- then apply it to everything else. Um, right. I liked the very first Metro. Uh, I loved it, actually. And then I liked Last Light. And I think it's the added emphasis over the series on the outdoor stuff, which has always felt to me like the weakest stuff. I much prefer the tight claustrophobic tunnels. When Metro Exodus is in its tight enclosed claustrophobic spaces, I enjoy it much more. I, it doesn't to me feel like the, the the way the game the way the character handles moves and, and everything feels too stodgy and slow and ponderous for me in those more open environments. And the enemy positioning doesn't now feel oppressive and, and intimidating and, and challenging to me. It just feels annoying. I feel harassed. I never liked fighting mutants in any of the games because the character is so, you know, methodical in their aiming and moving anyway, and those things jump about. Um, never really enjoyed fighting animal mutants in this game, and here, just bothered by them constantly. Little fucking rat ones. Um... Yeah, and I found it excessively detailed as well, which, again, wasn't so much an issue in a tight corridor, but here, I couldn't visually follow things because everything is covered in so much detail, textures, dirt, scratches, uh, everything, and it's all kind of grey and and dismal, and it's hard to pick out, for me, characters among the environments. It's too much visual noise, and then there's too much noise noise, like someone trying to talk to me on the train but the sound of the train um so you've got to go in the settings and rebalance stuff if you want to hear it um and then that doesn't even uh last because you have dialogue scenes where everyone's talking over each other which i think they've done for realism 
But it makes it really hard to pick out what people are saying. And it's even harder if you put subtitles on because they'll subtitle everything, even background conversations. So even though there's a very good story there, I couldn't get into it very much because I can't visually or, or orally follow it. Um, and that's a Metro Exodus for me. And I fully understand and realize I'm in a sliver of a minority here. Um, not just here in the podcast, but I mean, you know, in the wider community. Uh, I'm very frustrated by it. I take no joy in this one at all. Uh, I was looking forward to Metro Exodus. And as I said in my Jim Pressions video, I despise being in a position where I get to say I enjoyed Far Cry New Dawn more than Metro Exodus. Because Far Cry is a base... Because, you know, Ubisoft has got, got this down to a a factory standard practice of just churning out, at the very least, acceptable quality games. Uh, so Far Cry, Far Cry New Dawn, for me, moved quicker, was more responsive, was had a character that felt more suited to open environments. Um and and I get no pleasure from saying that whatsoever. I'm I'm very gutted that I I played hours of Metro Exodus and had to take a step back and be honest with myself and say, you know what? I've played this for several hours and I've not had a minute's fun. I've seriously not had a minute's fun with it. And then I did my impressions and stopped and and then went back to Apex. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't like. I don't disagree with all your criticisms there. I I also find the the animal enemies annoying as shit, and um, I will say regarding the character movement and all the detail and stuff, I don't want the character in this game to move like in Far Cry because it's not that kind of game. This is a game, no. and I think a lot of this comes down to taste. Like for me, this is my kind of game because it's a game where you do move slowly and just take in all this sumptuous detail. That's what the game is about. It's not a very, like, technically brilliant shooter, that's for sure. Um, but when it comes to that, that oppressive, gorgeous, haunting atmosphere, it's got it all. Um, I would agree with you with your point about the, the too much detail makes it hard to see things. I'd agree with you about that in the first area. But having gone through the second and third areas now, that's not so much of an issue in those. And also the uh, movement speed is not so much of an issue later on when you get vehicles as well. So I don't know. I mean, I totally understand all your 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 kind of problems with it, and I I don't like I don't necessarily disagree with them. I just think for me, I think this is much more my kind of game yeah. than it is your. I mean, here's the thing: I don't want Artyom to be super quick and, and responsive either, but I just don't want him to be that stodgy in that world yeah um especially when the floor is full of so much detail you get stuck on the fucking scenery every two yards i yeah i was i saw you criticizing that and i didn't have that issue i didn't like the reads it really bugged me that you slow down when you go into the reads i thought that was a really pointless annoyance yeah but uh i didn't find myself getting stuck on things much but i don't know can i ask you a question yeah what do you think of the boat when you're rowing? Boat yeah, the, the water section. For the three entire minutes I was in it in the game, I thought it was fine. <laughs> okay. I mean, I re I hardly I hardly used it. Stick stick with three minutes. 
because I use the boat a lot, and it and it's the worst. Because you've constantly got giant fucking shrimp climbing on the sides of the boat, and then when you beat them off, some of them are hanging back and just spitting, like, poison balls at you. And then there's a big fish in there that'll insta-kill you if you bump into it. And it's just so fucking annoying. I only remember having to use it once in the story, and then once to just get from one spot to another. I don't really... uh... Oh, no, you'd use it twice in the story, didn't you? And kind of more scripted, but uh, no, I generally went everywhere on foot because, like I said, best thing to do because I thought it would save time. We were probably playing this game so differently, Jim, because it sounds like you were in a hurry to get through it, whereas I was really, I was like walking everywhere, taking it real slow, soaking it all up. I only started hurrying up when I realized that I wasn't having fun, and then yeah. I was trying to get to somewhere <laughs> fun. Um, because you know, I've Here's the thing, I think some people misapprehend me and, and, and think that I just don't like Metro's gameplay style at all. Um, so it's just why I've tried to emphasise, I loved the original Metro so much that when I was working for Destructoid, uh, the original reviewer, Anthony Birch, hated it so much they didn't finish it and didn't put a score on the review. Yeah. Um, and then I played it, I think, over a year later and loved it so much, I went back and said, right, I'm going to review this, even though it was so late and and no one cared about the game so much anymore because, you know, such is the nature of the games industry that we forget how important games are to us Mm. (laughs) six months later. Um, Now I went back and reviewed it and and gave it like, I think, an eight or something because I was like, this is a great game and and we should review it. I mean, I still think the first one's the best one in the series and... No moment in the series so far has been as cool for me as that mission in the first one where you're with Khan. You're going through the tunnel and you see all, you, all the ghosts start to appear. Right, like, yeah. Um, that for me is one of my all-time favourite gaming moments, just that journey down that tunnel. But uh, and, the f- and the third one, I have to say, hasn't it hasn't had any moments quite like that yet. Yeah. Because there, there are parts of the original Metro that, like you say, they, and that's not the only bit. There, there are places where you feel like you're going on a journey the whole thing feels like a real Mm. pointed journey of an experience and it's it's tightly paced and then there's no real meandering and and yes it's a lot of corridors but i liked that about it um so I, i the point i'm just trying to make is that it's not about metro's gameplay yeah it's about the way it was presented in exodus the just threw the whole thing out of whack for me. It was like changing one ingredient in a recipe that ruins the whole meal. It's not that the ingredients are bad, it's just something altered it that had a chain reaction for me. I knew I wouldn't get a chance to get a word in. (laughs) I'm just trying to... I I think I've given you plenty of time. I'm just firing back. I have an important question in this conversation for you. Did you like Stalker? Because this game really feels like Stalker to me, and I think that's part of why I like it so much. Um, with with the big meaty patch, the big one that you've got to put on it, that everyone says, if you're going to play Stalker, put this patch on. So I've never tried the original, but I, I have enjoyed uh, Stalker a few times. Yeah. It's not something I've ever played to completion. It's one of those games where I've started it a lot of times. Um, but yeah. I like Stalker. It's very... That, more than Metro, yeah. I feel, is a game you've got to get into a very particular headspace for. Yeah, it, it, it certainly... Um, 
it certainly also is not a game that you can just jump into for half an hour. No, not at all. You know, because it, it, it just, it's all about getting really immersed in it, and that's not going to happen in short bursts. But uh, I don't know, I'm not, I, I won't say, I'm certainly not disappointed with it. It's like, I I would rate this a four out of five. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I really enjoy it. It's, it's not my favorite in the series. And I, I like, like you, I wish there were more linear underground sections. There have been a couple, but they're not, super long and yeah. one of them was like this hectic action packed sequence which was fun don't get me wrong but uh i would have liked more of the kind of very slow atmospheric trips yeah. down down into the underground you know say more things about metro exodus but the the linear stuff that is there is really cool i think like the warehouse level in the first how many areas did you go through by the way did you get to the second area the desert um i i spent most of my time in that first area because they change it up quite a well yeah they change it up quite a bit in the desert there's some new mechanics and you get vehicles so getting around is a lot quicker Mm. um so i don't know i'm not saying go back and play it if you don't enjoy it but uh, i just couldn't stay i i I really tried to soldier on. I really tried to push through. Like I'm, I'm. It's not like I played it for for an hour and then just said it shit. Like yeah. I was in there for hours and hours, and had to just admit to myself I wasn't having. And, and I mean that no fun. At best, at its best with me, I was just staring at it poker faced while playing. And the thing is, I. I don't think this game is meant to be fun. Well, we could have that debate all day long. I don't think this... I don't feel like this game is... It's. I don't feel its goal is to make the player have yeah. fun. Uh, well, here's... <laughs> <You know? laughs> fun, fun in this context yeah. being a casual term. I will yeah. say I wasn't engaged. I, I spent yeah, yeah, hours with it and got no emotional response out of it whatsoever. Whereas then it has like it has almost everything I like in games. It's got the atmosphere, it's got the pretty looks, it's got the nice music, it's got the good story, yeah. and I can deal with the kind of clunky mechanics if all of that stuff is good. Do you know? I'm jealous of you. Yeah, <laughs> I genuinely envious, and I, I've made this point so many times when people get on me for like giving it negative reviews or videos on things. If you love that game, right? Don't be pissed at me. I'm envious of you mate like that that's a uh, you know to anyone who gets upset that i don't like something as much as them i wish i did i always wish i did mm. i wish every game could could grab me the way you know some of my favorites have but you know we can't have we can't love everything no one likes not enjoying a game yeah like everyone would have a better time if they picked up every game they picked up were like yeah this is very good i loved it the only time I've come close to that is like genuinely hilarious bad Steam trash, but yeah. it's it, it's got to be bad taken to an art form. I um I just want to add one more thing as well. I'm really glad that you can now kill bandits and baddies with abandon mm. because fuck morality meters. <laughs> I seriously just want them to go away forever. I've never played Dishonored in the most fun way because I feel too bad to get the bad <laughs> ending, you know? <laughs> That's fair, yeah. And Metro, um, Metro the Stealth is not good. Yeah. You know? Uh, 
before before we finish up, Gav, do you want to yeah. talk a little bit about that Far Cry New Dawn? Because you put a bit of time into that as well. No, I actually didn't have time. I mean, there's God, there's there's so much stuff came out this week. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, sorry. It's Jim. It's my my apologies. It's Jim that's played it. I I, yeah. I apparently can't read the list that I wrote. Nah, Jim, fine. do you want to talk about Far Cry New Dawn? It, it, I mean, to be fair, Laura, I'm the Ubisoft fanboy in here, so it. it well, it, this is it. I it, it made sense in my head that you might have played it, but apparently it's Jim. So J- Jim, seeing yeah. as Gavin can't tell us about it, <laughs> we'll we'll take second best. Do you want to tell us about it? It's very pretty. Yeah. It's very pretty. It reminds me visually of pretty in pink. Yeah, it reminds me visually of uh, Annihilation. The the. Natalie Portman film. Did you see Rage throwing shade at them? For the no. <laughs> yeah, the Rage Twitter account was throwing shade at them for ripping off the uh, color scheme. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does feel. And the thing is, is it all feels surface level in in Far Cry New Dawn. It's it's a splash of apocalyptic punk paint rather than uh, something that feels like a game set in the apocalypse. No, 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 it's set in a Far Cry map with wearing the clothing of an apocalypse. Um, You never really get any sense that society has broken down any more than it has in any other Far Cry game. Nothing's changed. The Mm. apocalypse hasn't changed Far Cry's world whatsoever, uh, except that, you know... The the cars look a little bit more Mad Maxy, and there's pink spray paint everywhere. But but otherwise, it's you know I said earlier in the show, Ubisoft have nailed a factory standard good game, and I said this of Far Cry Five as well. It's they're they're not bad games. They are per- they're McDonald's. You know, if you just want a quick fix of something, it'll fill you up. It'll do the job. It, it, it'll give you a satisfying gameplay loop. Does it do anything to differentiate itself from Far Cry 5 other than aesthetically? There's a saw gun. Okay. You can shoot buzz. It actually is quite fun, except when the buzzsaws ricochet, because they ricochet everywhere, and hit a civilian who then gets pissed at you or hits your ally who you then have to resurrect. I usually wouldn't kind of request too many changes from sequels, but... Far Cry is so iterative at this point. Yeah. And it really is just another iteration. It's not... It's certainly not Rage 2 or anything. Yeah. Um, rather the original Rage, because you know we haven't played Rage 2 yet. Uh, but it, yeah, it really is just another Far Cry game with a... Far Cry Primal did more to differentiate itself. Um, rather than Primal or Blood Dragon, this doesn't feel like it has its own unique style. It, it 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 pays lip service to the idea of a new dangerous world. Is it like a standalone DLC, or is it like a full price game kind of thing, or what? Ah, uh, it? it's it. I think it's like forty bucks. Okay. It might be thirty or forty bucks. Um, so it's cheaper. Is it the same map as Far Cry Five? I believe it's the same map. I believe it's the same map. It's certainly set in the same place. Um. And that, yeah, but I th- I'm fairly certain it's the same map. Um, but I can't tell the difference with Far Cry maps these days. I can tell you, I can tell the difference between Elder Scrolls maps, but Far Cry 
nothing distinguishing happens inside them, so I don't really care what they look like anymore. There, were, there was a big hoo-ha, I remember, over Far Cry Primal having the same map as the previous one, but I would never have known that had, uh, no. had I not heard about it. I'd never have noticed. Yeah, so I, I can't tell the difference between any of them. Mm. Um, and yeah, this is... It's it's another Far Cry game with a very thin veneer of you know apocalypsia. It, it's it's just more or less same. The animals look a bit fucked. The animals look a bit manky. That's about it. Um, but it's not bad. It's fine. It's more Far Cry. If you want that, have it. Eat your dinner. Jim. <laughs> oh. Jim. Jim likes Far Cry more than Metro. Who's who's the Ubisoft fanboy now, eh? I know. It's taking all those Ubisoft dollars. They give me a premium Uplay account. Uh, oh, you've done great, Ubisoft. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do great. You've done you've done all right. Jim, you've gone Jim, you've gone soft on Ubisoft. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. To be honest, I've I, I don't know if anyone picked up from this podcast, but I've just been mostly playing Apex still. It's still really good. And I'm I'm getting quite good at it. I win a fairly decent clip now, and I average about a kill a game, which doesn't sound impressive. But to me, it's really impressive. See, I'm I'm averaging three or four KOs every uh, every match of Tetris of uh, Tetris ninety nine. So you know, you, you get on my level, Chip. Yeah, get some kills in. I'm not super great at competitive shooters, <laughs> so for me to get a killer game when I couldn't even guarantee that in fucking Fortnite, I'm pleased about it. I'm averaging a. a, a... Infamous kill death ratio in my lovely relaxing single player games. <laughs> nice one. Um, but yeah, like most of the time in Apex, I'm losing due to bad luck. Um, when I actually do get kills, I'm, I rack them up. Started to become kill leader a bit more, uh, so I'm I'm getting quite good at it. So I'm I'm keeping it going. It's just a shame the monetization is shit. But yeah, that's that. If you're not getting good KD ratios in Tetris 99, I don't even want to hear about it. Right, that's the only game I care about now. Ah, <laughs> uh, I remember the days when, like, groups of gamer friends all used to know each other's Call of Duty kill death ratio. Ugh. Uh, I've had people try and find uh, kill death ratios of games I don't like to prove that I shouldn't have reviewed it or something. Wow. Because they do that whole, oh, you only don't like a game because you're bad at it and I'm well explain me loving Bloodborne you just don't like Metro because you're bad at it yeah <laughs> oh you're bad Jim I'm gonna go to my bedroom now and be sad <laughs> I don't know what that was intended to demonstrate I think that's it I'm starting to get tired I think I think yeah, we've done sleepy. it I've still got to do a video bloody hell I just don't want to work today I've, I've got to edit a podcast then go do another podcast bloody hell alright let's get cracking on with things Laura how can people see the things that you've done on the internet me, me Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere Laura K Buzz on Twitter Twitch YouTube all those places I've got two books coming out this year I've got uncomfortable labels and things I learned from Mario's butt google them you'll find out where to get them and when they're coming out other than that, I'm on Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It is a podcast I do with my fiance where we just do silly goofs and voices and try and make each other have a bit of a giggle. 
I am on Dice Funk, which is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, and 5. Uh, if you go listen to season 5, th- this week's episode that's going up, I am I am being the dungeon master and I'm running a story and oh boy it's gonna be it's gonna be a one uh, I have a, a silly adventure I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Comrade Zimmerman through it's gonna be quite fun um yeah I think that's it that's that's the places all right and Gav um, when can we expect your anthem song uh, I'm afraid there won't be an anthem for anthem unless the story miraculously drastically improves in in the near future so I'm sure it'll pick up. Yeah. But uh, you might get a Metro, another Metro song, because my last Metro song was very well received, The Day the World Died. So it won their little, um, their fan art competition when they had it. And then I was like, was that even ethical, me me entering a fan art competition? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. What's ethical is you doing a cover of Baby Cakes at last. Baby Cakes what? Baby Cakes. What's Baby Cakes? Baby Cakes. You just I don't, don't know the rest know, of it. No. I have no idea. What <laughs> the you fuck just don't know, no. How I. I don't know the words. Yeah, that's about as much as I know. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for listening to Podquisition. And w- oh my goodness. I just, I just touched the desk. You thought someone knocked just, at the door because I touched just, the bloody desk. Just Google Miracle of Sound. There you go. Oh, you weren't done. Sorry. That was my plug. Sorry, that's how discombobulated I've gotten. I got really tired over the course of this podcast. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time. That'll do. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.